Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to go over Florence and the Machine live at the Cardiff International Arena. Now, my listeners on YouTube would actually notice that there's something slightly different at the moment. And what is that? Well, that is the Total Entertainment Podcast is no longer on the pod on the uh, Master X Media Podcast channel. It's now on its own YouTube channel called, surprisingly enough, the Total Entertainment Podcast. And also, you'd notice that all the old episodes are now on the new channel with a slightly different title because they are now known as Show Reports. So, today's show report of Florence and the Machine is an 8-truck show. It's big. It's real, real big. And currently... It's still massively under construction and it is 11.35 a.m. at present. The inn started round about 6.30 a.m. And currently, what do we have that's up in the air? Well, it's either a giant rear projection screen or it's a backdrop right at the very back of the uh, stage. Maybe it's a rear projection, maybe not. It's a bit hard to tell because it is a glossy black backdrop. Stage left and stage right, you've got some ginormous projection screens as well. So I might actually think that the, that is a uh, rear projection screen, but don't hold me to that. So, the lighting bars have been split into uh, banks. You've got well, I would say LX1, 2, 3, and 4, but LX1, 2, 3, and 4 are split into three banks, so three smaller trusses each uh, side. At the moment, you've got stage left up, which has got a handful of moving light profile units and the AD strobe flood units, so uh, three of each on each bar. Stage right is the same, but stage centre stage that's slightly different that's more of a uh, grid that they've uh, put in and when I say that that's because uh, stage left and stage right are staggered and in, in height whereas whereas the uh, mid stage trusses they're all being bolted into a grid they're at working height at the moment and so stage right actually but it's gonna be interesting I, I do believe it's going to stay as a grid. You've got bars that are in the vertical plane as well as having uh, bars in the horizontal plane in an actual grid. Hence why I use the term grid. Okay, so currently they're building the line arrays, stage left and stage right. And they are two wide, 10 deep. The subs, they're being flown as well. And you've also got a second line array which is set slightly to the uh, left of the main stage left one at 45 degrees. And that is obviously going to be uh, for surround sound effects. But that one actually feels like it's a lot bigger. So yes, uh, the sound systems are still under construction and I don't really want to give a final definitive answer on that at the moment. And they just fired up the uh, stage left and stage right banks of trusses. And there's also LED uh, strips on there as well, which can become any color and strobe as well. So it's going to look pretty interesting. 
front of house one is uh, on wheels and about and will be winched up at some point soon once we've got other stuff out of the way and they have got lots of lots of uh, set boxes and when I say set boxes it's massive uh, boxes made out of uh, plywood to keep something fragile on the inside and they've got loads of these so they're obviously going to be used as part of the set and until we get more action going on there's not much more I can talk about at present so we will be back after this So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all these books are in the description below. Florence and the Machine are an English indie rock band that formed in London in 2007, consisting of lead vocalist Florence Welsh, keyboardist Isabel Summers, guitarist Rob Ackroyd, harpist Tom Monger, and a collaboration of other musicians. The band's music has received acclaim across the media, especially from the BBC, which played a large part in their rise to prominence by, by promoting Florence and the Machine as part of the BBC Music Introducing. At the 2009 Brit Awards, they received the Brit Award Critics' Choice Award. The band's music was renowned for its dramatic, eccentric production and Welsh's powerful vocals. The band's debut album, Lungs, was released on the 6th of July 2009 and held the number two position for its first five weeks in the UK Albums Charts. On 17th of January 2010, the album reached the top position after being on the chart for 28 consecutive weeks. As of October 2010, the album had been in the top 40 of the United Kingdom for 65 consecutive weeks, making it one of the best-selling albums of 2009-2010. The group's second studio album, Ceremonials, released in October 2011, entered the charts at number one in the UK and number six in the US. The band's third studio album, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful, was released on the 2nd of June 2015. It topped the UK charts and debuted at number one on the US Billboard 200, their first album to do so. The album reached number one in, the total, in a total of eight countries and top ten of twenty. Also, in 2015, the band was headlining at, was the headlining act at the Glastonbury Festival, making Welch the first British female headliner in the 21st century. Florence and the Machine's sound has been described as a combination of various genres, including rock and soul. Lungs 2009 
won the Brit Award for the Best British Album in 2010. Florence and the Machine have been nominated for six Grammy Awards, including Best New Artist and Best Pop Vocal Album. Additionally, the band performed at the 2010 MTV Music Video Awards and at the 2010 Nobel Peace Prize Concert. The name of Florence and the Machine is attributed to Florence Welsh's teenage collaboration with Isabella Machine Summers. Welsh and Summers performed together for a time under the name Florence Robot ISA Machine. According to Welsh, the name Florence and the Machine started off as a private joke that got out of hand. I made music with my friend who we called Isabella Machine to which I was Florence Robot. When I was about an hour away from my first gig, I still hadn't I still hadn't had a name. So I thought, okay, I'll be Florence Robot, I, I is a machine. Before realising that the name was too long and it would drive me mad. And in addition to Summer's keyboard and the backing vocals, the current band members include musicians Robert Robert Ackroyd on guitar and backing vocals, Chris Hayden on drums, percussion and backing vocals, Mark Saunders on bass guitar and backing vocals, and Tom Monger on harp. In the past, Welsh has praised her band for understanding her creative process, claiming, I've worked with most of them for a long time and I know my style. They know the way I write and I know what I want. In 2007, Welsh recorded with a band named Ashok, who released an album titled Plans on the Filthy on uh, Luca About Records. This album included the earliest version of her latest hit Kiss With A Fist which was at this point titled Happy Slap. I suppose from back in the day there was a, the happy slapping craze going around. Google it but don't copy it, it's a real vile thing to do. Anyways, Florence and the Machine won Critics' Choice Award at the 2009 Brit Awards after coming third in the BBC's Sound of 2009 poll. As well as the attention from the BBC, the band received significant support from the NME magazine and who included them on their annual Shockwaves NME Awards Tour for 2009, along with the Glass Vegas, Friendly Fires and White Lies. The Sunday Times described Welsh as the most peculiar and most highly acclaimed female singer of the moment and the latest in a line of great English pop eccentrics. All music referred to Longs as one of the most musically mature and emotionally mesmerising albums of 2009. Spin magazine rated Longs 8 out of 10 and wrote, You've got to hand it to the girl, She's always she always makes you feel something. The magazine named it the 8th best album of 2009. In December 2010, Florence and the Machine appeared on one of Spin's three holiday issue covers as Artist of the Year. Florence and the Machine won the Mastercard British Album Award for Longs at the 2010 Brit Awards, having also been nominated for British Female Solo Artist and British, and British Breakthrough Act. On the 19th of February 2010, Florence and the Machine won Best International Band at the 2010 Meteor Awards. The group led the nominations for the 2010 Mojo Awards with four nods. They received a nomination for Best New Artist at the 53rd Annual Grammy Awards. In April 2011, Florence and the Machine were ranked 50 in the 2011 Time 100 poll. Annually list 100 most influential people in the world. American, American recording artist Beyonce called Florence and the Machine as an influence for her 2011 album. Four. So... There's been a few lineup changes over the years, and the current members are Florence Welsh, Isabel Summers, 
Robert Ackroyd, Tom Monger, Cyrus Bainador, Aku Orance, Tete, Donna Douglas, Hazel Mills and Sam Doyle. And former members are Christopher Lloyd Hayden, who used to play drums, backing vocals and guitar, Mark Saunders, bass, backing vocals, Rusty Bradshaw, piano, Hammond organ, rhythm guitar, backing vocals, and Lauren Humphrey on drums. So the discography is Lungs 2009, Ceremonials 2011, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful in 2015, High as Hope in 2018, and this year's Dance Fever. We'll be back after this. The Royal Carnarvon Crescent by Paul Collis from Master X Major. When a neighbourhood dispute explodes into an all-out war. So Chaz Bruford, his wife Ellie and their young daughter Aurora move into Carnarvon Crescent. They soon become aware of the troublesome next door neighbour who makes a point of living in her house for over 50 years. From the moment Chaz arrived and began to unload, his new neighbour takes an instant disliking to him and she goes out of her way to make Chaz and his family feel unwelcome. The animosity quickly spirals out of control from both parties and the mutual respect gets lowered right into the gutter from the outset. Chaz comes to realise that this is not just any war, it is a neighbourhood war to end all wars. This book is available to buy on Amazon and this book is available on hardback, paperback and Kindle. This book is pure fiction and should not be used as a user manual. And we're back. So there's been a lot of progress in the last couple of hours. They've got the liner rates actually in the air fully now. And yes, they, I was right in the sense that they've got the uh, line arrays uh, a little bit further back and 0.45 degrees outwards for the surround sound effect. But they've kept it very close to the uh, forward line array. And they have actually flown their sub line array, which is six deep. So stage left and stage right, it's six deep. It looks like they've got some more subs front of the stage. But they're not being plumbed in anytime soon because they're forking on these fragile boxes. These boxes made out of plywood. And in these boxes made out of plywood are a load of chandeliers. And these chandeliers obviously are very fragile and they have to be completely protected. Now what they've done to rig these chandeliers, they've dropped a motor hoist down for each chandelier. And they've actually built a ceiling alcove in the mid section of the stage which is hung slightly below the uh, grid for the uh, st which is also which is hung from the, the grid which they've uh, put in the middle of the stage as i said earlier on so you've got the uh, trusses that are basically all fixed together in the, both the horizontal plane and the vertical plane and th those have got a load of downlights, which look like LED source fours from this distance. They've also got front of house bar up, which is full of LED pars, which are facing into the audience, and a load of a load of LED moving spotlights at the, which will be pointing towards the stage. And what they're doing right now is just getting all these little platforms built and putting on all these extra chandeliers so 
the set, the set itself is just going to be a load of chandeliers. They've got white chandeliers and they've got black chandeliers. And these chandeliers that are going to be floor standing are all draped with white gauzy kind of um, netting. Yeah, I'd say more netting than gauze. Maybe actually gauze. If the well, if it's going to light up, it will be yeah, more of a gauze because it's heat resistant. But there's loads of these to get ready to go up on the stage. And until they've got these up on the stage, there'll be no more work at the front of the stage because there's the faultless going continuously just to get it all up. They've got the projector stage left and stage right switched on and they're beginning to focus those. And the mixer is being fully mojoed as we speak. So plenty left to do and it was a nice little update now we've got a load more progress made we'll be back after this Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Master X Media presents Lord of the Memes Bad Dog Farmer Frank's Filthy Fucking Farm and Bonnie Bouncing Baby Bastards all three of these books are meme books and they come up with some Pretty brutal and hilarious memes which are definitely not for children or the easily offended. These are ideal gifts for Secret Santa, Father's Day or even birthday presents for the fun loving man. So why not take a chance and make his day when he gets to read a Lord of the Memes meme book. All three books are available on Kindle, hardback and paperback on Amazon. And we're back, so what an exciting show that was to see tonight. Florence and the Machine, wow. So, the show started off with lights going down and the chandelier, all the chandeliers, they all came down along with the frame and on the music cue, they were supposed to rise with a nice bit of lighting and then disaster it got wedged it got stuck the motors just gave up and it took the and then the lights had to just come down whilst they were frantically trying to winch the border platform up and it pretty much stayed in the same position once it was finished and they called this position one which was the front of it being right up high and the uh uh, and the uh, back section and the upstage section being closer to the floor so it was at a 45 degree tilt and it was there for most of the show it should have uh, done a few different movements during the show but they didn't want to risk it jamming again that's the joy of uh, kinesis motor winches they they sometimes seize up and there's nothing you can do about it when it happens other than just keep trying and hoping for the best it wasn't quite a show stop because the show hadn't actually started yet it was starting so it was delayed by uh, eight minutes because that's how long it took to winch the uh, the border platform up so when it was ready so when it was ready and in position the first song started up with a red black uh, with a 
red backlight which is being bounced off the uh, drape at the back which wasn't actually a drape it was a cyclorama but a black one very rare to see that that's what confused me earlier on during the uh, day was it a, was it a rear projection screen was it a cyclorama was it a drape and when I got close to it and saw it in, in action it was a black cyclorama why would you have a black one rather than a white one well it's the way how it diffuses the light and you get a nice dark diffusion which makes it all seamless and and gives you a lot of shadow and shade within the uh, color rather than uh, being a nice bright version of it on the white cyclorama so it has a nice time and a place and it has the uh, gothic feel to it which is what the designers for the show wanted along with the chandeliers with with the ghouls drapes on them so it's just to give the different lighting effects and yeah it had a nice lovely gothic feel to it so from start to finish the chandeliers were lit up by the LED source floors that were above so they're either washing them or on sit on certain beats following different beats different ones would light up in a sequence and uh, there'll be any color they wanted and the whole look of the show was all pastels they went for shaded pastels so purples oranges pinks and just had them real soft and diffused which is yet again another reason why they used the ghouls on the chandeliers as well as the uh, black cyclorama to diffuse it in a nice dark way and the lighting was pretty much kept static you had a few different lighting effects with the uh, LED uh, buttons being able to pitch and just you know just make waves of light but they don't they really didn't want to go for massive elaborate lights they had a, a bit of isolation from the rear fodder spot which was a robo spot and the uh, two front house fodder spots yet again being robo spots but there's a lot of the deliberate backlighting on a sharp narrow beam to uh, cut through the uh, pastel colors especially when there is in smaller pools of light rather than a whole wash of the stage I call the total effect like a shabby chic lighting effect because it looks really impressive and it's supposed to be a little bit dreary as well at the same time and it works it really did work with the feel of the show now sound wise we had a lot of control and clarity within the uh, sound and you heard all the instruments in a nice nice way and I would say that it had the 22 karat gold standard clarity and the volume wow it wasn't loud at all and the highest peak and this was in the pit in front of those line arrays was 107 decibels on the C on the C meter reading and that was it really you could actually hear people talking in the audience you could talk to your friends in the audience and still hear the show without being disrupted so nice all-round sound nice mellow sound not over the top and it just had a lovely lovely feel to it now the AV setup was simple the AV setup was simple it was just cameras on it was just high-def cameras on the projection screens and that's all they wanted that's all they needed you didn't need for a show like this to have massive elaborate VTs no 
Florence just wanted to be seen. She wanted to see the audience, and when the audience were on the screen, they reacted really well as well. You know, like jumping up and down, cheering, and going, "Oh my God, I'm on the screen!" That kind of thing. Now, what was the audience's reaction? Well, it was like fanatical. You had to be a super fan to be here and enjoying this show. And Florence even said herself at some point during the show that she asked, "Who was?" He was dragged here to see the show. Well, give in, just give in and enjoy the experience, is what she said. And I'm sure that they totally enjoyed the show, those who were dragged here by their uh, girlfriends and wives and boyfriends. The audience were constantly singing along at the uh, dancey, bouncy bits of the show. They were doing it. The whole audience was a flood of people bouncing at one point, people dancing enjoying themselves from the start through to finish and that leads me on to how was Florence and the Machine's performance it was superb it was I say I say it's superb but it was an experience a very strange strange experience and some would say even a cult-like experience where people just waiting for an epiphany or or even being preached to because at one point Florence come down from the stage on the treads and skipped along to uh, the mojo barrier jumped up onto the uh, onto the onto the inside platform of the uh, mojo barrier and started singing to the crowd directly holding their hands and singing to them and and giving them the experience of feeling and touch because touches a sense that when it comes to music if you can add on the sense of touch you can feel the music even more especially if it is the lead singer of the band and singing to you directly it was like a religious experience for a lot of these people who managed to get a touch of her hand it was a little bit bizarre to see but nonetheless it was playing right into the audience and they loved it they really really loved it and at one point Florence asked the audience to put all their phones away because she wanted them to experience the show together as a whole and not having to watch a sea of phones trying to record it for the world to see the way how she saw it is they were all there together especially after the long pandemic and waiting to come back and perform again she wanted it to be a special experience for the audience and not some cheap, downloadable, easily watched crap camera phone footage. So when people when she was asked when she asked the people to put the phones away, the vast majority of people did. And from that point on, uh, it was largely respected. You had the odd person who didn't give a, didn't give a care about it. But predominantly people did. They were there for that special experience and feeling of the show. And that's what they paid for and that is what Florence gave them. She gave them everything that they wanted and probably more. And especially those who got to be part of the show and be part of the song by having the feeling of being able to touch the person that was singing directly to you. They definitely got value for money. 
and Florence's vocal performance, wow, flawless, absolutely flawless with her haunting vo with her haunting vocals i'll say haunting in a good way because there's no nothing else to describe it it's not a wail it's not it's not a scream it's just pure beauty within her voice because she does have a very very unique and beautiful voice as well and it did feel like this show the way how the audience were reacting to her especially those who actually touched her in the audience it felt like the show was there to cleanse their souls and I do believe that's what they got they got their souls cleansed by watching such an elaborately beautiful show with the beautiful vocals with the beautiful music and not just any show it wasn't a simple show it was an experience and some would say possibly a religious experience thank you for listening to today's podcast if you've enjoyed today's podcast please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so want to check out more content from master x media by clicking the link in the description below and we shall catch you next time bye for now